Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Nerdcaster Podcast, your gateway to all things nerd culture. My name is Joe, and I'm the resident nerdcaster for the podcast. In this episode, we plan to fill you, the listener, in on what we will be covering, where to find us, and to get an idea of our format. First and foremost, please visit us on the web at nerdcaster.com, where you can play the podcast right from your browser, as well as finding us in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. The website will contain articles, videos, and other information, not only about the podcast, but anything the Nerdcaster team finds interesting. This week, we plan to bring you a review of Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them, and Moana to give you, the listener, an idea of where we plan to take this podcast in the future. With me, I have my wife, Lori. Yes, even a nerd can get the princess. <laughs> hi, hi. <laughs> so what did you think of the first movie we saw this weekend, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them? Um, I actually didn't know what I was going to think about this movie. I didn't really follow it. Um, I'm not really all that keen on spinoff movies or, you know, anything off of a major series. Usually, you know, most of them are pretty disappointing. So I I didn't really even know what to expect. I kind of only wanted to see it. I saw a couple of trailers on Facebook. I'm like, ah, you know, maybe it's worth, you know, a watch. So, so. I mean, I didn't read the book of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Did you end up reading the book? No, I didn't read it at all, actually. Um, the last Harry Potter, uh, I guess, work that I, I actually read was uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which I actually really, really enjoyed. Uh, didn't expect to enjoy that one either. Um, but no, I didn't um, I didn't pick up the book at all. And this is probably the first, um, well, not probably, it is the first Harry Potter um, film that I've seen without reading the book beforehand. Yeah, I, I plan on revisiting the whole Harry Potter universe at some point during the Nerdcaster podcast. But uh, I, too, did not read Fantastic Beasts or Where to Find Them. And I ended my reading in the Harry Potter universe after book seven. <laughs> um, well, I mean, in the beginning of the movie, uh, I thought it started out a little bit slow. Uh, the main character, uh, Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne, Academy Award winner for uh, playing Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything. Um, I didn't actually, I didn't see that movie uh, movie at all. At all. Um, but I found his character to be really annoying in the beginning of the movie. I was kind of like just rolling my eyes or just putting my hand over my face at the things he would do. I'm just like, oh my God, like what's going to happen next? Everything that uh, this guy seems to get up to is... Uh, is it just me, or or did he just never look anybody square in the eye, and that creeped me out a little bit? No, you know, I, I he never did. He kind of looked at everybody through like um, some side eye, yeah, or sideways. looking at the gra- uh, looking at the ground. But um, even at the end, by the end of the film, you, d- you really don't know all that much about the character, and it, you know, it intrigued me enough to you know maybe they fleshed out his background a little bit more in the books. I don't, again, I don't know, so I'm gonna have to. I actually do want to check that out after watching the movie. Uh, it picked, I would say after like the first act in the movie um, is really where it kind of picks up because in the beginning I kind of, you know, it was a little slow and it, um, I really wasn't sure where it was going to go. And then of course the, uh, when they introduced um, Jacob, uh, well, Jacob Kowalski first, uh, I took a liking more to his character than I did uh, Newt's. And even towards the end of the movie, uh, Jacob's still my favorite character. But, uh, yeah, when we went Tina, when we met Tina, I really didn't like her at all. I kind of thought she was a really flat character. And um, 
Um, I, I took more to her sister. I liked her sister better, Mary I, Lou. Yeah, I liked her sister too. She was a little bit more. Um, I think what made Tina a better character, and maybe this was on purpose. Uh, again, I don't have a lot of context to see if this was just the way the character was written in the books, or if this was something that the you know maybe it you know between acting or anything like that, it just improved with her chemistry with the other characters. Her chemistry one-on-one with Newt um, was, again, very flat in the beginning, and then towards the end, it's a little bit more endearing. Both characters, to me, by the end of the movie, I like them a lot better. And, uh, you know, I would be be very interested to see Fantastic Beasts 2 after seeing, you know, this first one. And then, again, also reading the books to kind of get a little bit more background on the characters. Um, not really so much the background on Tina. I think that was pretty straightforward. Same thing with Mary Lou. You know, the parents died from dragon pox. Um, they kind of only have each other. Tina's the career girl. Mary Lou is, you know, kind of a homemaker, has a menial job, and but she's a legilimens, which is actually... That interested me. That interests me a lot because to be a legilimens, I mean, Harry Potter couldn't even do it. I mean, he couldn't, you know... If we remember in book five, he really couldn't even learn a clumency from Snape. And um, and she made it seem easy. She made it seem easy, like almost like she was born with this natural, you know, crazy ability. So she's probably, I would say, a more powerful witch than meets the eye. And I really like characters like that. Like there's more to them than just, you know, kind of this, you know, bubbly demeanor, you know, um, that most that you see that she does like in terms of her magic is this crazy you know she bakes and she makes food and that's kind of all that you see her do and of course you know she you know in towards the end of the movie she helps out she helps out the crew she has an integral part with getting sneaking them out after getting arrested right but then like how much magic do you actually see her do you know the 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 really strong thing that you see her do is really just you know to be able to read other people's minds and that's how she helps you know that's how she ultimately helps everybody but um, like what else? I'm, I'm curious to see what else is she capable of doing. She is probably one of the most, um, I'd say, straightforward characters. But there's a lot more that I'd like to know about her. You know, versus somebody like Newt, who has a very mysterious background. You know, he was kicked out of Hogwarts. You know that um, you know his brother had met some kind of fame. That's not really explained in the film. Again, there's a really, lot not. Yeah, there's a lot not answered, and I don't know if that's just the, again the nature of the film or if that's the book. I'm going to read the book. Hopefully, it'll fill my gaps in knowledge a little bit better. See, my my issue is I felt the movie was not that great. I felt it was Pokemon in, in the 1920s era. <laughs> and, and this guy picks up a suitcase and instead of using Pokeballs, stuffs animals or, or these magical creatures into it. Uh, into it. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with this movie at all. I am impressed with some of the side characters like Mary Lou um, and Jacob. I'd like to see more on them than anybody else. I, I really didn't give two shits about uh, Newt or, or Tina at all. Yeah, no, I can definitely agree with you there. And I really didn't really care uh, a lot about Newt until you see him invite Jacob into the suitcase and um, really show him his world and kind of what he was doing and what his goals were. That definitely changed my mind a little bit about Newt and said, like, okay, there is a little bit more to this character than this kind of weird guy that, um, you know, what is he even doing in America in the first place? And then you find out that he's trying to release this, you know, this Thunderbird out in, in Arizona because it was trapped in Egypt. So he seems like... You mean Ho-Oh. 
Hello, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, when he invites Jacob to do that, which I found very surprising. I didn't expect that to happen. I thought maybe that he would kind of wash his hands. I did expect him to leave Mary Lou and Tina, but uh, I also expected him to leave Jacob and for him to kind of say, like, you know, hey, come with me, you know, and check out my suitcase. That surprise. That was a surprise to me. I didn't expect that to happen. I have a feeling there's more to Jacob that his powers or his magical wizardry or whatever has not manifested yet. I I believe he will be more integral in later in the series as we do know there is a sequel. Well, see, I don't know about that because like, why can't a character be important in this universe but still also just be a muggle? Like, what is wrong with him just not having any powers and that just in his own character, he's, you know, he's his own guy and he doesn't need, you know, he doesn't need to be a wizard. Well, let's let, let, let's look at Uncle Vernon from the Harry Potter series. He oh, married. was just a dick. Who, Jacob? <laughs> no, uh, Vernon. He's a dick, but he married a woman who, who had a sister of magical ability. His his wife and and Lily's sister knew about her powers. This is a muggle who knew about those powers. Why couldn't they let Jacob into that world? There are muggles in that world. Right. But this is also, I mean, Harry Potter is set in the 1990s. This is the 1920s. It's more accepted. I'll give you that. More accepted. And also, because I think by that time, you had a lot more, you know, you had a lot more, you know, squibs or muggle born children who had, you know, so it becomes a little bit more accepted within those communities as long as they could contain it. But we're also in, you know, we're in a different culture. We're in America now. This is the 1920s, you know, completely different after um, atmosphere. Um, but all in all, really like the film. Want to see the next one. Want to pick up the book. I want to learn a little bit more about these characters. And, you know, just as an adult watching this now, because I think Harry Potter, the first film came out when I was a freshman in high school. Um, this film... You know, all the characters are adults, and I think that that's something that's maybe overlooked a little bit. You know, definitely more relatable. You have you have a generation of people who grew up with Harry Potter. You know, when the you know when the you know books were first written, and then the films first started to come out. Now you have a film with you know the generation of people who grew up with it. Now these characters are adults and instantly relatable. You know, as opposed to you know a kind of a bunch of kids, you know, in a in a magical boarding school. Um, which is something I liked about the film, something I took away from the film. So you, final thoughts, you, you will go see the next one. You are willing to pick up the book and read to see if there's anything you missed. It was obviously in books. You get more detail than they show on the silver screen. You liked it. Yes, definitely. I found it okay. I'll go see the next one just because I've started down this trail already and I want to see where it goes. It does intrigue me. I was not overly thrilled with how it left me that way. I don't like the main character. I don't like his girlfriend or whatever you want to call her by the end of the the movie. Um, As far as the main character goes, I really don't care. I'm more interested in Jacob and Mary Lou and the side story that they had more than I am in in, in Newt's and, and Tina's and whatever else happens with them. That's fair. Um, if you want to read a little bit more about this review, we do have it posted on nerdcaster.com under articles and movies. Um, so if interested, please give it a read. Um, comments on it. Um, let us know your thoughts. How did you enjoy the movie? Uh, did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? Et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, it's definitely a good read. I suggest everybody go out and check it out. Which brings us to our next review, Moana, Disney's Moana. I like this movie way more than the other one. <laughs> um, I would, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. Uh, Moana was actually a movie I did plan on seeing since I heard about it being released. I've seen virtually all of um, Disney's major release films. So this was something I was anticipating at least for a half a year now. Well, to be fair, we do throw our money at Disney quite um, liberally. Yeah, a little too liberally. Disney, I'll be the first to admit I am a Disney-nerd. I, I will throw my money at Disney no matter what it is. They, they could shit in a box and, be, and label it awesome. And I will throw them my money just to get a piece of Walt Disney shit. Literal shit. Um, I personally would not go that far, but I do, um, I do agree with the sentiment. Um, as far as the film, uh, I knew I had a feeling I was really going to like it and I did. I, I loved the film. I, um, I had the opposite feeling. Well, uh, when, you know, if I could compare this to anything, when we went to see frozen, uh, I think it was, when did that come out? 2013. 2013. Yeah. When we saw that one, I, wasn't sure what to expect when I saw that movie, and um, I really liked it a lot, and it just exploded into this phenomenon. Frozen, right? Frozen, yeah. Okay. So it just exploded in this phenomenon, and I really didn't, not that I didn't know how I felt about the movie, I really liked it, thought it was a great movie, thought that Disney was really getting back on its feet, you know, with the animation, and doing what Disney does, which is, you know, doing it the best way possible. Um, something we haven't seen from them really since, uh, in my opinion, you know, 1998's uh, Tarzan. But in the animation studio right, aspect, yes. right? Um, but I did not expect leaving that theater because we did. I think we saw it opening weekend. We I did not expect when I left the theater expect to explode into the phenomenon that it was that everybody it just seemed to love this film so much. You just heard "Let It Go" everywhere. Let it go. Yeah, no, I can do without listening to that song anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's great. But I still love it. Um, I just, you know, I just didn't expect it to become as big as it was. Like, you know, I left the, I left the movie theater saying like, you know, this is really good, but I mean, it's no little mermaid. That's just kind of how I felt about it. But then everybody, like I said, I just didn't, everyone just had this visceral reaction to the movie. So to bring it back to Moana, when I left Moana, I was just like, I, I'm, I'm going to say that it's better. I think it's better than Frozen. I I, I disagree. I think that it's better in a lot of ways, and maybe that's just my perspective as you know, a, a, you know, a female um, coming out of it. I just thought the theming in it was—I just thought it was better than Frozen as far uh, as you know, changing the whole you know what a princess movie really is. You know, we go from Cinderella, we go from Sleeping Beauty, we go from Snow White, which is all these kind of damsels in distress that get saved by you know a, a prince type figure. And that starts to change a little bit in the 80s and 90s where we have, you know, we start to see, you know, in Disney's renaissance, we start to see, you know, stronger female leads that are a little bit more independent. Um, but still, a lot of those films are centered around marriage and love interests and, 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 and you know, romantic love and, and, you know, how those relationships are. And then in Frozen, you see a sisterly love. You see that family relationship. And I thought that I've, that's what made Frozen what it was. In the Disney animated studios, I attribute that to John Lasseter because in Pixar, let's look at Brave. It's about a strong young woman who doesn't want to marry, who wants to be on her own, who wants to go on adventures or do whatever she wants to do. She doesn't want to marry these princes from other kingdoms. And I think it stemmed there. I think it might have too. But what I have the, where I have a problem with Brave 
And again, Brave is another film that I enjoyed. I had a problem with the way that they presented that. So it's you have this girl who has no desire to get married, but all the suitors that she's presented with are these are kind terrible. of bumbling fools. And it's like, you know, at the end of the movie, they're kind of like, you know, we don't want to get married either. So it's not just like, oh, she doesn't want to get married and we're all trying to get, you know, married to this girl. But if they were presented more as like, you know, intelligent, you know, young men who were, you know, pretty dashing, I think that would have been more compelling for Brave to have her turn that down instead of kind of, you know, blush and say like, okay, well, they're handsome and dashing and all these other great qualities. I think I might change my mind. No, I think that, you know, the fact that they were bumbling and just kind of idiots, uh, I think that that weakened Brave's point on that. So where I think Frozen made that, um, well, Frozen really, I mean, didn't really take the marriage format. Yes, Anna, you know, she fell in love. Elsa didn't have a love interest. You know, the relationship was more about them. And I think that that's where Frozen really stood apart. But where Moana really, really stands apart is that there is no love interest factor at all. It's not even mentioned. It's not, you know, her parents don't try to make her It's not married. a point of contest anywhere in the movie. No, it's just, there's just, there's no reason to have it in there. And I didn't feel like the movie was missing out in any way because of it. It was, um, you know, it was about Moana and about her journey and about what she needed to do to save her own people, which is why I felt like Moana, in terms of that, in terms of kind of just what modern feminism should be or what where it's going, I just feel like Moana achieved more than Frozen did. But you know what? Uh, to Frozen's credit, probably wouldn't have been possible without the movie having the reception that it did. Yeah. To take this away from Frozen, I I, I liked Frozen better. Uh, conversation for another time. The characters in Moana, I believe, were very different than they were in Frozen. There was a lot more um, egomaniacal things going on. People uh, uh, like Maui uh, looked at himself as doing all these good things and people love him and everything else to realize that nah, maybe they don't. Um, and all he wanted to do was be this likable guy, this god to, to humans. Um, one of my favorite characters in the movie, going into this movie, I felt I wasn't going to like it at all. I felt after seeing concept art, again, I throw money at Disney, so I'm looking at all this stuff before it even comes out and, and felt this movie was going to fall flat. After seeing it, it is your typical Disney movie. It will hit every emotion and it'll hit it hard. I'm not going to say that I teared up in this movie. I but, definitely did. But I could see where it, it could do that. Frozen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt that tear run down my cheek. This one, not so much. But the characters, especially uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing. Uh, Maui was really good. That shiny crab thing. The hell was his name? I don't know. He had but, a name. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't was. know either. But it is a show stealer of a scene. I loved his song. It's so great. I, I don't know what else to See, say about it, that. You know what? Like, I actually, it's probably one of my least favorite parts of the movie was his scene. I, I, I really did enjoy, you know, um, I enjoyed it, but if it definitely wasn't my favorite. But, um, you know, as far as music, I think the music in Frozen was absolutely better. The definitely. soundtrack of Frozen was better. Um, but with staging, the scenery, just everything else in Moana, the dialogue, the themes, I just, again, I just think Moana is a stronger movie than Frozen. Um, but as far as, you know, enjoying it, I enjoyed more. I was, I was, I felt more thoroughly entertained by Moana than I did with Frozen. Um, both follow 
Um, the villain is not really a villain uh, without spoiling it too much for you. Um, but by the time this episode hits, I'm, I'm going to guess a, a ton, a shit ton of people have already seen it. So, But again, really enjoyable movie. I definitely enjoyed it more than Frozen. And it was, um, you know, it definitely makes me look forward to, you know, future Disney releases. I feel like they've hit another home run with this one. You know, we saw Z- uh, Zootopia over the summer. And that was really good just for all together different reasons. I just think Disney is entering another point where their films are, you know, I think they're becoming on par with Pixar. Pixar, You know, I haven't been like too thrilled with Pixar lately. But John Lasseter from Pixar also heads the Disney animated studios. We have to give credit where credit is due. And John Lasseter is heading both departments. It's a lot for one man. And I think at this point, not to get too deep into detail because we need to start wrapping things up, but – He's focusing himself on making Disney animated studios back to where it came from. And that was his main goal. Um, feel free to, to check me on that. But I know he said in an interview at some point in time and he let Pixar go a little bit because they were riding that wave. Final thoughts on Moana. Lori, I'll let you go first. Final thoughts. Again, great movie. Great film. Thoroughly entertaining. Um you know, it hit a lot of points for me. I just, I just, you know, again, if, if I had to just take all my, you know, the feminist things that I took from it, if you just take all that away, it's still just a wonderful movie to see. And um, again, just like with Fantastic Beasts, I have a fuller review available on the Nerdcaster website, nerdcaster.com, under articles, under movies. Um, you can see me explain a little bit more on my point of view there. Yeah, I agree. I think Moana was a great movie. I enjoyed it. I'll definitely be buying the DVD. Again, I throw money at Disney, so that's that's nothing new. That wraps it up for this episode of the Nerd Poster Cat. Dude, the Nerdcaster <laughs> Podcast. This is the first episode, guys. So it can only get better from here. Of course, we would love to hear from you, the listener. Please visit our website, as Lori stated earlier, www.nerdcaster.com. Find us on Twitter at nerd underscore caster, on Instagram at nerdcaster, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaster. For me, I can be found on Twitter or the PlayStation Network as LordQX4 or via email at joe at nerdcaster.com. I'd also like to thank Lori for being our special guest today to give you guys a taste of what, what the Nerdcaster podcast has to offer in the future and to Wayne Machismo for our theme music. And a special thanks to you, the listener, because without you guys, none of this would be possible. Since this is the first episode, I hope you all come back and listen to the next one, where we'll be reviewing Final Fantasy XV and what our thoughts are, since that's one of our favorite series to begin with. Till next time, this is Joe from the Nerdcaster, and I'm out. <laughs>